Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for spreading your message online. Today, we are going to talk about motivation. We're going to talk about public speaking. I am with the one, the only, Daniel Gomez Inspires. Daniel is a motivational speaker and executive business coach. He speaks on 20-plus stages a year. I've had the pleasure of knowing Daniel for several years. He absolutely crushes it. He brings the energy. He coaches executives on how to grow their business and make more money. But today, we're going to start at the beginning. Daniel, welcome to the show. Take us back to where all of this started for you. Man, Steve, well, first of all, it's an honor to be here with you today, my friend. And thank you for having me on your podcast. And man, I'll tell you what, you describe me and I'm thinking like, wow, sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have or what we're doing. And just reflecting back to the beginning with the question you're asking me, it's like, four years ago, man, I was lost. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Ended up leaving a quarter million dollar a year job to take care of her. And you think you're doing the crazy thing, but the right thing, but it doesn't make sense. And there's no safety net to say, but you just jump and you make that leap because you know, it's the right thing to do. And that's where the journey started, man. So, I mean, take me through that. Like, um, I know, I know your wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. I know you were in the hospital and you, you felt like you were really being called to do the motivational speaker thing and start that, but you had no experience as a speaker. You never spoke in front of people. You had, you had a job in sales, which you can tell us about if you want to, but how did, like, I'm just picturing the, the conversation in your head, right? Like your wife is in a hospital bed. You don't know if she's going to get better. You're trying to figure out like, how, how does my life move forward? What, what's going on and kind of walk us through that. Cause I think a lot of people would have just curled up and like, maybe quit their job and like slept for a year straight and then woken up with a, you know, a complete car wreck going on, but you didn't. I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about going to bed, but I'll tell you just really my faith in God when everything kind of just happened. I remember putting up to a stop sign and I was crying, man, just uh, heard a song on Caleb and it was a song by Micah Taylor says, I want to be different. And I didn't realize how much I needed fixing inside. Right. My wife was going through her journey, but as I stepped back and, and, and really assess who I was, I said, man, I need to fix some stuff in my life. And when she got depressed on me, she had a double mastectomy at that time. And it just really, I really had to open my heart to, to realize that, am I going to honor my vows or what am I going to do? So going back to what you comment you made in sales, I, I had a hundred employees under me. I, I would do the sales trainings at the dealership because I just love to do it. And I had some raw talent, I guess, just training every single Monday. But the thing, it's nothing to the magnitude of speaking. I knew I had some raw talent, but when God put that in my heart to be a motivational speaker, people laughed. People are going to laugh at you before they applaud you. And they're like, you know how many motivational speakers that are out there that are Hispanic? And I'm like, well, no, I don't know, really. Exactly. There's none. So the odds are against me there. People, you know, they give you that. I hate that puppy pat on the back. You got this right. But that's like, Rather not even just give me a hug. You know, when somebody hugs you and it's a fake hug, that's how I felt they were giving me that fake support. 
but I just went forward and I just really didn't know what I was going to do, but I just started looking at some stuff on Facebook, motivational speaking. And I asked God to guide me. And next thing you know, I ended up at JMT training for John Maxwell. Didn't learn a lot about the actual speaking part of it, but I did meet people. And I think if I want anything to be taken away from this conversation is who do you meet along your way on your journey is very important, like yourself, because it's the people that are going to help you to become better, grow into who you need to be and make the right introductions. And in that, when you're ready, right, the secret combination to the vote is this, is that when you really learn to appreciate people and value yourself, because if you don't value yourself, the door's never going to open, the vault's never going to open. And on my journey, I've really realized this past four years that over 90% of people undervalue who they are, Steve. That's, that is a huge takeaway. So we're going to, I want to come back to that. That's going to weave, I think, in and out of our entire conversation. I mean, you were, so you're sitting at the stoplight, you're crying, you're, you feel like you're being drawn to be a motivational speaker. You go on Facebook. I mean, that's what we do, right? We Google it. We read a few things. I think most people would have stopped there. Then you, you take the first step, you go to the John Maxwell training and we've all bought a program that we thought was going to give us exactly what they need. That's good marketing. And then we get there and we're like, ah, I don't know, like this isn't exactly it. I think anyone who made it that far at this point is just going to be like, you know what, I'm going to go back to my six figure job. I mean, what was, what was going through your head and what was the conversation uh, between you and Madi like, I mean, I'm sure she supported you, but she's fighting her own battle at the time, right? Like, where did you find the internal fortitude to be like, I'm leaving my job, my wife has breast cancer, and this is what I'm doing? Like, that's a lot. I think the real validation came from my son, Julian. And the reason I say that is because we were sitting down in the living room one day, and I never forget this. It was about three months after my wife had her double mastectomy, and we're just start talking and, you know, simple conversation. And he just goes, you know, dad, I'm having fun with you. And me being the jokester that I am, I said, well, what's up, man? Like you weren't having fun with me before or what? He's just like, no, dad, sometimes you weren't so nice. And you can tell he choked up because it took a lot of courage for him to say that. Cause I wasn't very approachable. You don't say things like that to dad at the time to say, and I just started crying, man. I said, I just knew at that moment, whatever the cost was, I was willing to go through it because I was on the right path. And it awesome. just, he, he broke my heart, man. He broke my heart. And for him to say that, it just really, it just really touched my heart to, to hear that from him. And it just, sometimes people don't want to pay the price. Everybody wants to be the influencer. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody wants to be the speaker, the business owner, the entrepreneur, but they don't want to pay the price. And that price is going to be yourself. You're going to have to lose who you were and embrace a new identity. And even though I didn't know what it really entailed, just for the response that my son gave me that day, I was willing to go through the fire when I didn't understand exactly what it, what it meant. So did you, do you find yourself going back to that conversation or did you maybe not so much now, but maybe that first year or two, like, well, how did you handle it when things got hard? Right. Um, when you started going out and trying to speak, I mean, I know, I know like I've done that, right. I know it doesn't happen overnight. I, I know you send a lot of emails and like, you're trying to figure out what do I even talk about? How do I get in touch with these people? Like, what did you do when you started to hit roadblocks? Like what was, cause I think a lot of people, 
that are listening to this can resonate and like they keep running into roadblocks, like they're getting started, they're having a hard time getting going. How did like what helped you keep going? It's really just working on my mindset. And I know we hear this blah, blah about mindset and people tune it out, but it was really. And what I mean by mindset is embracing the identity of becoming that speaker. You have to embody that image of you being that speaker on stage. And that was a real shift for me because I can tell you at the beginning, I was really self-sabotaging myself. I mean, I'm going to be real on the show. I was, I was breaking glasses. I was frustrated. I get mad. You know, you apply to 72 gigs, nobody answers you. And you're like, man, I'm missing the boat on this. And one little app out of a hundred, it gets shortlisted. I'm like jumping up and down and it's not even a, Hey, we'll consider you. It just got shortlisted to say, for those of you, that's when you apply to some of these applicants to these speaking engagements, to the event planners, they shortlist you from, you know, you have a, you have a thousand applicants, they shortlist you to a hundred and it doesn't guarantee you get it. But I'll never forget the first time I got shortlisted. It was just a feeling like getting that perfect golf shot, right? Your whole round of golf can suck, but if you get one good shot, you're going to go back. And that's the way I went. I had all these applications going through and I focused on just the shortlist. And the next thing you know, I got another shortlist. And the next thing you know, there was no paid speaking gigs, but it was just that one gig that got me going. And that was really the United States Air Force that put me on the map. And imagine if I would have given up, Steve, I would have never had the opportunity to train the United States Air Force. But it's really in that moment of persistence. And I think what really helped me is like going back to the mindset, developing that speaker mindset is something that my, my coach had made me do it is read. I think it's chapter eight or nine. It's a chapter on persistence and thinking grow rich. Before I worked with them, I had to read that 14 days in a row, 14 days in a row, 14 days in a row. And I remember getting home one day, like I said, we're going through a lot of stuff. At the time we had gone to have dinner, I had drank, had drank a margarita and I was like already tipsy. It was 10 o'clock at night and I was ready to go to bed. But I said, no, I want my life to change. I want this. So I'm up there, took me an hour to read it, but I read it. And I really think that was a defining point where I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's awesome. That is, um, I mean, a lot of people I think have started thinking grow rich. I would love to see the number of people who started it to the number who finished it. Cause I bet it's pretty slim. The, whoever your mentor was at the time, that is a really good assignment because it does a couple of things. It shows who's going to actually like it, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal, right? 30, 45 minutes a day for 14 days, read this chapter over and over. But so many people would be like, I don't need to do that. Or I did it once or I'm busy. And like, it really, from a coach's point of view, like you and I can see that now because we both coach people. Like if we told somebody to do that and they didn't do it right away, I would, what's going on there? Why can't you, like, you're not, you're not keeping your commitments to yourself or to me. So why, like how, what would ever have you get to the top of the mountain, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I remember when the story, I, I use this story a lot because in that chapter, it talks about Broadway and how millions and millions of people show up to Broadway and Broadway will give you a cup of coffee, but Broadway's not going to give you a stage, right? You got to work for that stage. And it talks about the people that go to Broadway. They're there and they're trying to make it and they're trying to make it and they're excited, but then that enthusiasm wears off and it's what's at the heart. Are you going to persist or are you going to give? Because Broadway will give, well, it says, right? Broadway will gladly give you a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, but the stage you're going to have to work for. And I think by reading it over and over that when those moments when I was 
mad and frustrated and, and just really upset at the world because I was like, you know, you play that victim mentality as you're growing now that all that junk has to come out. I always, re- I always referenced that. And there was a story there too in that chapter about the man that had lost everything. And at 60 years old, he started over again and he was very successful. And I remember that it's like, without even thinking about it, it comes to mind because 14 days in a row, you remember that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So you, you mentioned something in there about victim mindset, which I'm just going to call out. I, anyone who's listened to the show for a long time knows that I, like that is something that I think separates the winners from the losers. The minute you get rid of victim mindset and you just say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I take a hundred percent responsibility for everything in my life. Maybe I can't control everything that happens to me, but I control the way I react to it. Right. Um, I love to hear, I mean, I, just because I know you like eight months ago, you had, you had a moment where you, you were having a little bit of a tough tough time, right? You're a little bit stressed out. You had some things not going the way that you wanted, but you manned up. Um, I remember having a conversation with you where you just like the whole time you could tell you were a little bit frustrated with different things that were going on, but you're like, you know what? I'm changing my mindset. Hey, you know what? That's not me anymore. I'm getting rid of that person that, that Daniel was, and I'm becoming this new person. And that's not going to bother me anymore. You kept saying that stuff over and over. And it was it was interesting to see it from the outside. I would love for you to just kind of walk through that experience. And how would you tell people, somebody listening, that's like, I don't know what you're talking about, or I don't know how to, how to implement that in my life. Well, that's, that's, it's, it's funny. We're talking about this because I, I just had this conversation with a client of mine. It's under pressure, under stress, the real you comes out at that moment, your instinctive behaviors. And, and what I mean by that is I want, to, I want to give you the analogy of just imagine I have an orange in my hand and I squeeze that orange. What's going to come out? Orange juice. Well, if I have an apple in my other hand and I squeeze it, what's going to come out? Well, apple juice. Well, what comes out of you when you're squeezed? What comes out of Daniel when you're squeezed? And even though initially, instinctively, you want to get upset, you want to get a thing, you, gotta, you, you have to catch yourself and... and and reprogram at that moment, recondition that story that you're telling yourself. And so many of us, I've seen it, we get squeezed like that orange and instead of orange juice coming out, crap comes out. That toxic, rotted orange juice at the very, very bottom that's deep, 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 deep down inside in your core beliefs and your value system comes out, but it needs to get out. And the only way it's gonna get out is through those hardships and those challenges. And I just learned that when those moments come, you got to catch yourself and you got to change that dialogue and say, I am going to overcome this. I'm going to do this. But instinctively, what's the first thing we do? Oh, why is this happening to me? Oh, man, nothing goes right for me. Oh, it's, it's Steve's fault. It's Marty's fault. It's Rick's fault. It's everybody's fault but your own. And we start sabotaging ourselves. Oh, I'm no good. I'm not good enough. And we play this dialogue over and over and over. And then, but the thing is, this is, is think about this. We both know that we, our words manifest our life. And the more you say you can't, the more you say you can't do this, you're not good enough, the more you're not going to be, and the more you're pushing that blessing, that manifestation away from you. Instead of saying, maybe I don't really believe it 100% or I'm mad, I'm frustrated, but I'm an overcomer. I'm going to make it happen. I can do this. I'm better than this. And that time was dark because I mean, 47 years old and crawling to the toilet, man, that's humbling. That's, that's a, that's a, that checks your ego and your pride real quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is, but that's, that's the thing, like having the humility and having, I think that's ego 
is the biggest thing that I think hurts people in business and in life. Having this big ego, that's not me. Like that, you know, I can't believe that. Like you see people with it. I know you and I both see it. Like the minute somebody has a big overinflated ego, you know, like it's not, nothing good is going to come from that. Um, and I think having a, a humbling experience once in a while can be really good because it shows us like, how do we deal with that? Right. And you made it through, you were down, you were, you were down maybe for like a week, two, then you started to come back up. And then now we talk about it, right? It becomes content and it becomes a growth experience, which is really all life is like, there's no, I, I'll, I'll get your feedback on this. I think we probably feel the same way, but there's no, there's no like right and wrong. There's no fail or succeed. It is you're here. And if you want to get there, you need to try things. Sometimes they're not going to work. Sometimes they are, but it doesn't matter because you have to try things. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to get it hundred percent correct. Like the path to success is through failure, not in the opposite direction of it. I think it's, it's, it's persistence here. I was talking about the script chapter and persistence. It's really just not giving up, even though, we have this, we have this image of ourselves of what we think it looks like. And we think every day we're supposed to wake up and we're supposed to do strides like miles and miles of success every day. And that's not what success really is. Some days you're going to go a foot. Some days you're going to go just one step, but there's days you're going to go a mile. But the key is that realizing that those days that you really have those miles to really reflect back and say, wow, thank you, God. And like Monday, Monday, it was just one of those days. And it was just, it was a day, it was steps, baby steps that I felt like I was taking, but I was still going forward. And so many times we don't take notice of those steps that are so small, but they're so significant because those moments that you don't give up, like in November when I, man, I was, it was, it, it, it really just stuck, man. It really checked your character, checked your heart. And it seemed that everything that was coming at you, but it's those very challenges that come like that, what we're talking about eight months ago is that that's either you pass the test, that's the test for the next level. And if I would have whined and complained and, and not still had to sell the event that we had to sell for sticker shock in March, then how can I be trusted with more? I think back of, of the, I always talk about this quote every once in a while, but Peter, Peter Parker, right. From uh, start Spider-Man, his grandma says with great power comes great responsibility. We all want the power, but we don't want the responsibility. And sometimes that's just, going forward of being that great leader for yourself and people see that and many people in business they can't even lead themselves because right away they they fall into that self-pity and that sorrow and oh man woes me and then guess what they start to blame others and they they just give up think about how many podcasts start and they don't even make it a 10 episodes right that's i mean they don't that's one of like the biggest stats but i mean podcast is one, but so is anyone in business, right? We were somebody, one of my clients and I were talking about this earlier today. They like how many Facebook groups get started. They're starting to build a little momentum. And then two months in the guy quits. Um, how many like email lists, how many businesses, how many abandoned businesses are there? Like, it's crazy to think about how many people start and the thing is that like when you're starting, you're like a seed, right? And you're pushing out a little root over here and you're pushing out a little root over here. And like, it, it's painful and it's hard and you're moving millimeters at a time. But if you give up, you're never going to reach there. But it's so much easier just to be like, oh yeah, that stuff doesn't work. Digital marketing, that doesn't work. Speaking, that doesn't work. 
it's easier to tell yourself that story. You touched on this earlier. Um, the story that you told yourself was what allowed you to start changing who you were. And that is the number one thing that you can do that I've found. Like I tell people that all the time. I'm like, if you see yourself, you know, not having the response that you want, tell yourself a different story and you're not going to believe it at first, but you keep telling it over and over and over and you live your story. I mean, it's what you did at the very beginning, right? It's what I did at the start of my business. I had no business being putting on events, none. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to speak on stage. I didn't know how to sell from stage. I didn't know any of it. But I said, that's who I want to be. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I, there was a Tony Robbins video that I just watched like every day. It's like 15 minutes. And it was like, change who you are. Change your belief structure. Um, I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. That's true though. And the, the thing is people, they think it's gonna be a hocus pocus and no, you have to put in the reps. You have to put in the reps and something that, that I, I'm a big, I'm a big affirmations, positive self-talk guy. I'm a big I am, because whatever you say after I am, you become, you start to, embody that and it's something that my, even my clients say oh Danny, you don't have to do affirmations anymore you're good i'm like no like every single day every single month every single year it's a new daniel so guess what i master the old affirmations and then me and you had this conversation right i am a multi-millionaire i am making 100 million this year like you gotta you gotta dream big and it doesn't make sense to your mind because you've never said that but once you start talking about it guess what Next thing you know, that next level of business comes and that next level client comes in. And next thing you know, I remember I was scared to even charge 500 bucks for three months of coaching. Now you're charging 5,000 for three months. And it's like, wow, like how did that happen? Because you grow into that person, but you got to tell yourself that story. You have to believe that story for yourself. And that's exactly what I did when those applications were going through and speaking, when it was just dry. And, and you got to understand that everything is for a season. Life comes to you in increments however you want to see that right if you're a seasons person life comes to you in increments and 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 when you pass and you do good in that increment okay you're ready for more for that season right you don't it's not as successful as you want but you're not thank you god for that business that i have and when you do that okay steve's ready daniel's ready for right you're at level five it's time for level six but this is a key that most people mess up levels one two three and four it's always easy right like a video game but then you get to level five and six and all of a sudden like, uh oh, the, the targets get faster. Donkey Kong, the barrels come down quicker. And that's the same thing in business from one level to the next. I believe that from level one to five, it's kind of easy to say. But when you go from level six to seven, uh oh, it's like one to five altogether. And it requires more of you as a human being, as a business owner. And you got to be able to handle the capacity. You got to create the capacity for that. And most people, they, they don't do it and they self-sabotage themselves at that point. 
I mean, the video game analogy is really, really good. Cause I think in the beginning, right. You're learning how to take steps. You're like following the tutorial and like figuring out exactly like what does what, but there's no reward, right? Oh, the reward is, oh, you kind of get to the next level. But by the time you get to the end, the rewards start to get a lot bigger. And it's the same in business. Like once you master and you have the capacity, somebody would, would have thrown me into where I am right now, five years ago, there's no way I would have been able to handle it. Right. I would have lost my mind. I would have gotten stressed out. I probably would have broke down. I still like, lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, you, you, that's just not going to, that's not going to work. So anyone who gets started and says, you know, I want to get there right away. Cool. Like I, I just tell people, enjoy the journey. Like you have to master each piece and get going. And there's, yeah, you can do it a little bit faster, but enjoy the journey because it's at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. You're going to be successful as long as you keep at it. Um, but it's crazy how many people don't. So I have a couple questions and I'm going to go, I want to hit on the executive coaching for a second. And then I want to come back to speaking. Um, so executive coaching, if somebody is stuck in their business a little bit, what is one or two exercises that you would give them? What is something you would do to help them either get unstuck or grow their business? What's a tactic? It's really just really celebrating who they are. Most men exec, exactly, and, and women do this too, but they don't celebrate themselves. They're always performance-driven, performance-based. And I went through this because when, when that happened to me in November when I couldn't walk and I was just using a scooter to get around, I really didn't celebrate the victories I had for 2020. And, and it, that made me slow down. And I really looked at our Sticker Shock Speaking Academy that we had in July. And I was like, wow, like to think that during COVID, 20 plus people came to San Antonio. We had a very successful event. We helped speakers learn how to make 5,000, 10,000 off paid speaking engagements is I had to go back and celebrate. I cried on the couch one day because I realized, wow, I did all this. And when I look into an executive's eyes and they're stuck, it's because they feel unworthy and undeserving. So I really go back and say, Look at everything you've done. But they go back, many go back to that memory of as a, a child and the father saying, you're never going to amount to nothing. You're not good enough. And that's the record that plays in their head, no matter how much success they have in their business. And then what happens is they try to, to a lot of times they try to cope with that through alcohol or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, why are you, what, why do you think you're self-sabotaging? And, you know, the, the real reason is a lot of times they're trying to get validated by, from their dad, right? They want their dad's approval. So when we have these sessions, I really go in there and let them know that you're already approved. God's already approved you. You don't have to prove anything to everybody, anybody. Maybe they're trying to prove something to their ex-wife or to their husband. Or you, you think about one of that Shark Tank lady, right? The real estate. I can't think of her name, but. She, Barbara Corcoran. Barbara Corcoran, her, her motivation is her ex-husband. And she's still trying to prove something. I don't know her personally, but I can just the way she speaks, you can see it in her. But when is when are you going to stop proving it and just really celebrate what you've done? And I something think that's the biggest that's the biggest hiccup I've seen in 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 business owners and executives is it doesn't matter how high if they go from they think right when I get to VP I'm going to be excited when I get to P to president I'm going to be excited when I get to regional director of, and CEO and no matter how high they go, it's never enough because the void is, is inside themselves, not in, in the position they hold. What's interesting to me 
about that. There, there are a couple of things. One, I feel like there's always, if you watched, uh, if you watched the last dance with Michael Jordan, right. He was so driven because people told him he, he wasn't going to be good enough. He made up stories about it. He admits to it. Now he's like, I would make up stories and tell me like, so-and-so was trash talking me so that he would go on the court and push even harder. In business, I see people just like you're talking about Barbara Corcoran, who they have a chip on their shoulder and they are going to prove themselves. My dad said I couldn't make it. I'm going to show him. My mom said I couldn't make it. I'm going to show her. My ex did that, right? I'm going to show them. And they push really, really hard. If they are successful, what I've seen, and I, I think like most people will can see this, the people reach the top and they're not happy. Right. Yes. They've pushed so hard and they've got there and they're like, screw you. Like, look at me. I'm at the top of the mountain. And they realize that nobody cares. Like the person that you were trying to like, see, look at me go you, you, to your point, they are trying to get validated. Right. Um, if they just went and talked to the person, even if they had a conversation, um, one of my favorite stories about that kind of goes with this supposedly Abraham Lincoln back during the civil war, um, one of his generals made a huge mistake. We could have won the whole war and he made a huge mistake and like, didn't, it didn't move the troops where they needed to be. And Abraham Lincoln, instead of getting upset at him and having calling him in and screaming at him, whatever would have happened. Right. He wrote a letter and then he wrote another letter and then he wrote a third letter. They found five letters when he was, when he died that were put in a box that were addressed to the general and he never sent them. And he had told, I guess he had told his wife or somebody like, these are here, but don't ever show them to him. Like they're just here. And it was his way of like talking himself out of doing it. Cause he knew it wouldn't do any good. He knew that it would just cause problems. Right. And I feel like that you can do that with any situation in life. Like you can have a conversation with your mom, your dad, your ex, any of them. And you don't actually have to have the conversation, just have it on paper, have it out loud with a mirror, like that gets you past that so that you can free yourself up. So my question to you is if, if validation is the key, what would you tell the executive that would say, well, if I'm not doing it to prove them wrong, I don't have any drive. Cause I could see somebody like Michael Jordan yeah. says that he's like, if I didn't have that to push me, I would have never, I wouldn't have become Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, I, I read uh, Tim Grover's new book winning and I, I agree with a lot of the stuff, a lot of great content, but I agree. I disagree with a lot of it to the very point where we're talking about. And you can tell he misses Kobe Bryant, right? He, he, he misses Kobe Bryant. And it's like he he talks about he talks about it like it's a good thing for Kobe not to sleep and to be in the gym and he would tell him like take some time off and then there was a point even when when Tim Grover his daughter said Dad I'll eat less so I can spend more time with you imagine your daughter telling you that and we miss that sometimes right and I say that because we chase this and it's all vanity in the wind it's all vanity. Think about this. Kobe Bryant passed away last year. He's not really on the top of the news. Our story goes away. I mean, and, and we don't realize that. And what's really important is what are we leaving on the home front? What legacy are we leaving A for our family first? And what type of relationships do you have? And how do you view yourself? That's what I would tell that person. And most people, they cry because they, 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 
they've never been taught. It goes back to that performance base that they have to, the biggest lie that we've been told as entrepreneurs and as, as business and executive is you got to grind, you got to rise and grind. No, why? You, you and I were just at an event. And I think what one of the speakers said, I won't say his name, but what one of the speakers said was amazing. He goes, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't want to be divorced. I would want my ex-wife back. But my business cost me my marriage. And if he had to choose, he would really go back and do whatever he had to do to try to save his marriage. And that's a real man right there. That's a real executive. That's a real human being, not just a man, but a woman. And when he said that, it really spoke to me because he got it, right? But how many of us, we, we gained a whole world, but we lose our family. And that's really the message that I would drive to them is what are you willing, are you really willing to lose? And a good example is one of my mentors, right? Millionaire, divorced, his family is not the best. It doesn't matter if he has a dealership under his belt, if he owns a dealership, he's not happy. Who wants to be a millionaire by themselves at the age of 70 and then die by yourself? No one. Yeah. That's, I mean, that I have that conversation. Like, I think you can do both. That's the thing. Like they're not mutually exclusive. It's not, you have to grind so hard, but I think people tell themselves that story. So they live it right. I'm going to grind so hard. I'm going to put everything like, yes, there are, you do have to make sacrifices. There are only so many hours in the day, but you can do both. You can, you can have a successful business. I mean, you're an example of this. You have a great, you have a great marriage. You have great kids. Like you can do both. You can involve both. Um, going back to the executive though, if you, I think what you were getting at is instead of having a huge chip on your shoulder and doing it because you hate somebody and you want to prove them wrong instead, do it because you love somebody, do it because you want to build something awesome for your family. Um, something that I want to share on here that we were talking about that I think is powerful that kind of ties this in is one of my fears that I had for a while was if people know I have money, they'll ask me for money, right? And like you and I talked about this. Um, instead, I would much rather be, you know, hey, I'm the guy that picks up the check. Um, it's really funny, actually. I listened to a 50 Cent's book. He put out a book called, uh, I think it's called The Hustle, Hustle, and, Hustle, and, Hustle and Flow, Hustle, Hard, Hustle Harder. But he talks about it. He's like, I love being the guy who picks up the check. He was like, I pick up the check for everybody. And like that, that like comes to mind, like, I would rather be that guy that like, yeah, I pick up the check. Yeah. My family needs some money. Here you go. Like, go, go have some fun. I love taking you guys out to dinner. I love taking you guys on vacation. Right. I mean, you went on vacation. You said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, you went on vacation. You were like, you know what? We were going to go do just like something real chill. I'll let you tell the story. Yeah. And, and, and that's a great point as an executive, they got to see that it's what legacy are you leaving? Think about for me, if, if your why isn't to be a blessing to others, that's a big reason for me. It's like, yeah, I want to be that multimillionaire and I, I'm, I'm going to get to that next level of success. But it's like, what a blessing to be able to, to, to help homeless and needy people and to buy your son a truck when he needs a truck. Like, why wouldn't you? And, and I don't mean to, to spoil them. That's not at all what I'm saying. But just to say, right, son, you've gone to school. You've proven yourself. You've held that do it. And then just the other thing, right? Like, you know, everybody's going through something. And to your point, I, I, we were, we were going to go on a vacation. I said, well, we'll just go on a little vacation and it's not do nothing big. And then I was challenged like, 
Daniel, you got the money. Why don't you just pay for everybody? And my old way of thinking would have been that scarcity mindset. Well, no, it's a lot of money. And it was right. I mean, it's still, it's still some change, but to drop $5,000 on a family vacation and pay for everybody. And it just, God put it in my heart, have fun, enjoy it. And we had a blast. And, and then it's funny because after I saw the prices the following weekend, right. Cause it was 4th of July. I think the old Daniel would have been like, man, we should have just waited. But I was like, no, I would have paid double for those memories. And it's the memories that you make along the way that are prices. And that's the real truth of success and wealth, right? The wealth, the money, the money is just a tool. The money is just a tool to open up the doors that God puts before us. It, it takes a price to buy that new car. It takes a price to buy this house we have. It takes a price to a price. It takes money to build a studio. It takes money to go on vacation. And why worry about it if we don't have to? That that should be the motivation is on my way up to success, how many people can I lift up? Like I said, I got laughed at. But if I can make it easier for other people and just this, the look of my son, right? My son had, it was, I got to say, I got to share this because it was, it was funny. The best part of the memory of the vacation was we were out there, me, my future son-in-law, my son, we're smoking a cigar and, and I said, well, you know, I just came back from Kentucky. Why don't you try a bourbon with your, with your cigar? And it was funny because my son's never had a bourbon and just to see him like take a drink of the bourbon and then he chokes. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I don't know. I was like, no, you sip it, son. But just those memories are, are you're not going to forget that. And it's, it's just, that's what it's about is that those memories that you create. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the stories so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. That's awesome. I mean, that is, the point is that money is a tool. I, I love that you called that out because that's really what it is. And people who stress about money all the time, like, don't, don't stress about it, right? This is, this is a growth curve that I've got to see you go through. I mean, I've gone through my own version of it, but it's like, instead of like worrying about it and stressing about it, like money is infinite and like your money will come to you if you're doing the right thing. Like if you put it out there that money comes to you, money will show up, right? You're doing, you're doing the thing that brings money in. If instead you're worried about it and you're penny pinching and you're stressed about it all the time, you're going to get more of that. That's yes. what the universe will continue to give you. Um, and part of part of making money and part of the joy of having money is to spend it on things that you enjoy doing. To your point, not spoiling people, not blowing it on stupid stuff that makes no sense, but to actually spend it on things that you're going to enjoy. Why not? Why stress about it? Yeah, we're going to go on vacation. Let's go. Like, you know, I, I was reading a book on, on millionaires because I really like to study the millionaire mindset. And, you know, most millionaires don't enjoy their wealth. Over 50% of them don't enjoy their wealth because they stopped doing the very things that got them to that level of success. And then since they build up their nest egg to a certain extent of a million over a million, we'll just say, I think it was like 2.5 2 million. The fear sits in of losing it. And the very things that they were doing, they stopped stop doing it. And you know, if something stops growing, what's going to happen? It's going to go backwards. Yeah, it dies. And that's what happens. And they, 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 they're not happy. And that's one affirmation that I want to share with your audience right now is 
right? I say, I am enjoying the wealth I have. I am enjoying the millions I have. I am enjoying the life I have. And that's an affirmation I say to myself because it, when that old Daniel wants to come in, when that old lack, right? Because those files are still in our brain. They're still deep, deep, deep down in there. And sometimes they get triggered, but when they want to pop out, nope, I am enjoying the millions of dollars I have. I am enjoying life. And you just got to keep telling yourself that. And the more you tell yourself that, the more, right? The more you feed that positive dog, the more that negative dog's going to be quiet. Or the more you feed that, that white wolf, that positive wolf, the more that black wolf's going to die away. So whatever you feed grows. So stop feeding the negativity. Stop feeding that scarcity, that lack, and feed that positivity. And that's what I tell a lot of these executives, right? Stop feeding those memories of you growing up and being made fun of and stop doing that, right? Because think about this. Many executives, to go back to your point, many executives, are, their problem is they still, even though they have that prominent position, they still have a lack mentality and they don't even realize it. You can be a millionaire and have a lack mentality. That's the truth. You can still have that position and have a, a, a scarcity mindset and not have an abundance increased mindset. And that's a big thing that I coach on because they don't even realize it. Like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Do you have the money? Yeah, well then why do you give your wife a hard time? Take her to go get her nails done. Have her go shopping, have her go treat herself. But it's it's things that a lot of executives or even women, they do this and they don't, they, they don't dress to the T like the way they should or they've never bought themselves that nice Rolex where they make the excuse, well, I don't need nothing nice, right? No, you, you inside you really, really do, but you've been conditioned to think like, no, because then that's going to make you evil if you have a nice car and the rich people think they're, 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 they're wicked, they're mean. And even though they have some level of success, that's what limits them. I mean, I know like, I know back in the, like a long time ago, 10, 15 years ago, I kind of thought that way, right? I was always like, ah, they, they're jerks or they must have screwed somebody over or whatever. Like somebody would roll into the restaurant, you know, in their Ferrari, this was in Chicago. They drive their Ferrari to the restaurant. They come in with their hot girlfriend and like they would get smashed. But that was like one out of 50. What I realized working there and then working in Vail and then now I've just been around all of them. Like they're my friends. They're usually the nicest people in the world. Like they got there because they're smart. They're not pushovers by any means, but they're nice. They're kind. And like, they really want to help people. They really have a heart for people. And that's, it's such a different, but it's the movie set it up that way. Media sets it up that way. And internal, I mean, kind of our society does, right? Because they want to be in that victim mentality of, you know, oh, it's not my fault. Well, it must be their fault. They're the ones who have the money, which is horrible. Makes me really sad. The I wanted the last thing that I was going to wrap up with. I wanted to ask you what were a couple affirmations. If people have listened, they're like, okay, I'm going to start doing some affirmations. Give us. You gave us one. Give us one or two other ones that you would either give to an executive or somebody who wanted to be a speaker or somebody who just wanted to do better in business. Well, I think first of all, if you're going to for for business, you got to start telling yourself, I am a very successful business person. You have to start telling yourself that you got to receive that identity. You have to embrace, right? There's three steps to it. You have to receive it. You have to embrace it. And then you have to embody it. You have to do those. There's three levels of that because the first 50 times you hear it, you're not going to really believe it for yourself. The next 50, you say it to yourself, you're going to be like, okay, whatever. Right. Like maybe, maybe not. Right. But when you really start to embody it, the last 50, when you say it for the 151st time, you really start to say, I am a successful business person. I am a successful businessman. I am a successful businesswoman. And when you really start seeing yourself from that point of success, 
the business starts coming to you and you're like, when I, when I started being a business coach, I was like, it was, it felt funny. But once I said, man, I do know business and now executive and business coaching clients come from all over the place. So a, that's the first one I would do. And then for yourself, just for your self-worth, I think you need to tell yourself this. I am worthy and deserving of success. I think at the bottom level, the foundation of whatever you're doing, whether it's a career entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, you have a business. I am, a, I am worthy and deserving of success. I am worthy and deserving of God's best. And I think for the millionaire one, right? You got to tell yourself, I was born to make millions. I was born to make millions. You got you to gotta say that with, with just freeness, like the freedom of, but we're not taught. I remember I, I coached one of my clients. I said, I want you to start saying this. I want you to start saying I am a millionaire. He got quiet. He didn't say anything. I just, you know, the old salesman in me, I just, first one to speak loses, right? It took him like four minutes, literally. It seemed like an hour. He was crying. Because I've never thought that way. Well, that's exactly what's keeping you stuck in your career. You want to stop making $50,000 a year? Change that thinking about money and yourself, how you associate with it. So A, if you're going to be a business person, I am a very successful business person. B, as a foundation for life and business, I am worthy and deserving of success. I am worthy and deserving of God's best. And the last one, I was born to make millions. I was born to succeed. I was born to make millions. And the moment you change that association with yourself, how you see yourself being worthy and deserving and you see yourself as a successful businessman and you say, you know what? I deserve these millions. I was born to make millions. That's what's really elevated our business. Just really, it's the mindset and people don't get it, but they don't want to do. You have to be intentional about this stuff and people don't want to be intentional every day consistently for the last four years, I've been saying affirmations and that's what's really accelerated. A huge part of it is accelerated our business to the next level, Steve. That's awesome. And I, I agree with it. I mean, I've done the same thing. I have, uh, I have a list that I go through that's in my shower I do every day. And I have a list that I do every day at my desk. Um, I think it is extremely powerful. The everybody listening should definitely do those. They're easy. They're going to feel kind of silly at first, but then you just keep doing them because it is really all about reps and get yourself into it. Like the more you have to get yourself to believe it, right? The mind, the subconscious doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is not. So you just have to like do it with power, do it with intensity, do it with belief. Um, one of the things that one of my mentors told me when I started doing them, um, he said, right before you do them, think about a win that you had. Think about a good win that fills you with like energy and pride and like gets you a little bit jumped up like, and then yeah. do the affirmation. And he was like, then think about it again, then do the affirmation. Um, because he's like, your body remembers that it's like muscle memory and like memory in your neurons in your head, right? They're firing saying like, you did this. It's you're winning. Um, and that, I don't know, like that made a difference for me. Daniel, Thank you so much for sharing so much here. I love for you to talk. I, you can talk a little bit about Sticker Shock Speaker Academy. You can talk about where people can find you for executive coaching. Um, tell us, how can people interact with you? Yeah, well, my name is Daniel Gomez Inspires is my brand. I kind of tie in my name. I really changed my identity, right? Daniel Gomez Inspires. I just said, why, why introduce myself? So I go by Daniel Gomez Inspires. That's our podcast of the year in the back. Subscribe to our show. It's on Apple, iTunes, all over the world internationally we voted top 60 podcast and my you can go to 
Daniel Gomez, Daniel Gomez global.com. That's Daniel Gomez global.com. And we can definitely come. We, I want to give your audience a, a complimentary 45 minute discovery session, Steve, just for having me here. I would love to give that to them. And right. We're on all handles. Pretty much. Like I said, my brand is Daniel Gomez inspires on Twitter, on Pinterest, on YouTube. And um, we're just excited to deliver value. And as a free gift, what I want to give to you right now, text the word confident with C O N F I D E N T to 26786. That's confident to 26786. And you can go to Amazon and get one of my books. You were born to fly. It's a great just book on personal development. Self-leadership is going to help you accelerate your life, accelerate your business, because what you read about, what you think about, you bring about in your life. And this book will definitely help you. It's simple, powerful, and it's not very complicated. I don't use these big words because I, to me, if you keep it simple, you retain it more and you retain it. So that's my word of wisdom to you. And I want to end with this is no one's ever told you they believe in you. This is Daniel Gomez Inspires telling you right now, I believe in you. Your story's not over. It's time to turn that chapter in your old book and start writing that new chapter in your life because God has better plans for you. I don't think I can end the show any better than that. Thank you so much, Daniel. All of these things will be listed in the show notes as well. So make sure you check those out. If you're driving or if you're walking or if you're running right now, make sure you check out the show notes, grab your free book, check out Daniel Inspires. Daniel Gomez, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. All right. And to everybody else, until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.